It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson here, Painter Sharpless over there. Hello, Painter. Howdy, howdy. Well, this is not going to be a fun one for a lot of Auburn fans. At least the the first half of it probably won't be. Uh, Auburn basketball losing about 24 to LSU uh, yesterday in Baton Rouge. Painter, I wanted to open up our podcast. Appreciate everybody listening, by the way. This is our our free weekend recap edition. Um, I want to I want to start off the podcast by citing um, a friend of the program, a, a dear friend of yours, uh, Reed on Twitter, who pointed something out yesterday to me I, during the second half of this game because you know, during the TV timeouts and all that because the, the game had already been kind of decided, well decided <laughs> at that point. Nothing new was happening uh, kind of in the second half. Uh, I pointed out that uh, you know, since 2000, Auburn football and men's basketball are combined 6-20 and 20 versus LSU in Baton Rouge. Um, so that was kind of like a voodoo thing. <laughs> uh, throw in throw in uh, women's basketball to go along with men's basketball, and then throw in baseball and softball as well. It's twenty nine and sixty eight. Uh, you know, all these programs are kind of significantly below five hundred <laughs> against uh, against LSU in Baton Rouge. And Reed pointing out on Twitter, he said, um, "You know, this is no surprise uh, for anybody." Let, let me let me get the let me get the full. I don't want to misquote him here. Uh, he says, and I quote, uh, too close to NOLA. No one from Alabama has ever gone to Bourbon Street and come back the same. Painter, can you verify this fact for me? I can. Uh, have experienced the wonders of New Orleans and Bourbon Street and all of its glory with Reed on multiple occasions. Very proud of him. He's working hard uh, these days. Has brought life into the world. So, Congratulations to Reed and his family. Also, congratulations to us for surviving that beautiful town together. It is much like a crescendo, you know, in the mornings, working your way through the day, of course. It's sort of peaceful in the morning. You feel that nastiness from the night before. You see people who live there doing normal things like going for jogs. Always strange. You know, by the early to mid-morning, people are out with their croissants or whatever it is people eat there. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, by like 11, things are really starting to, to simmer as the afternoon goes on. You, you feel people losing control. And then, of course, by nightfall, all bets are off. What a beautiful place. I know you love it for your own reasons, but uh, oh, God. That, those numbers <laughs> are not great. Oh, man. Well, I will not say great, this about Bob. New that also I'll say this about New Orleans. I think... It's one of the most interesting things, and you're going into the topic of, of voodoo and, and, and spiritual matters. I feel like New, the city of New Orleans, I feel like New Orleans made a deal uh, with the devil and said, "Hey, you know, we will be the best food city on planet Earth in exchange for like we have to deal with like a lot of other stuff." And uh, I mean, Painter, you know me; I'm not one for revelry and the like. Um, I'm, I'm a very boring person uh, away from you know away from work. Uh, especially, um, but I will say when I was in college, I think the first time I ever went to Bourbon Street, kind of going by there, just like, hey, you know, it's there. Um, the people I were with it, I was with it, never been uh, to the French Quarter and all that before, so they had to swing by it. It was like the middle of the afternoon, and even it, like you were saying, like by noon, it's already starting to pop off. Like mm-hmm. middle of the afternoon, I'm like, man, I. Uh, this is this is getting this is getting a little wild. I, I saw someone. I saw a woman fall over, uh, like a, like a, one of those like old, old hotels there, like on on Bourbon Street, like off the balcony, kind of like flip mm. over. Um, and it wasn't very high up, and and she was fine. Um, but it was just like one of those things where it was like, man, it is three o'clock in the afternoon, and you already fall off a balcony, uh, kind of out there. Do you think there, she so, knew? Uh, Do you think she realized? No, that she, she had fell? no idea. There, there's just a, there's up. a, there's uh, yes, yeah, she didn't know. I don't think what was all going on. Um, and there's a, there's a specific detail of why I knew she didn't know what was going on, but I'm not going to share it on, on, on the podcast. I'll tell you once we get done recording. Um, anyway. All that to say, the state of Louisiana for people from Alabama, especially for people from the Auburn area, or those, I think there's a curse on there. Because I mean, all these programs have had really, really tough times winning in Baton Rouge, and basketball has probably had the most success against LSU 
um, over the last decade of all those teams that I had mentioned. And yet, something about playing in Baton Rouge just does not click for this team. And we saw that again on Saturday in the fact that, you know, you might call it a voodoo, might call it a curse, but when you get beat by 24 and you give up 104 points, it's just like, hey, that other team um, is really, really dang good on offense. And it was very apparent from really about the under-16 timeout in the first half that LSU had a team full of bucket getters and Auburn, I mean, all the stuff Auburn's got to do to click well on offense just was not happening yesterday. And that's how you get you know, that's how you get a result like you had. Was it Rashawn Evans who, by the way, has flourished, so I don't feel bad mentioning this, who was a freshman and like when they were go at Titans. the Sugar Bowl? What's up? I said go Titans. Tighten up. Go Titans. Etc. Was it him who was interviewed and like openly said he was having a good time in New Orleans? Uh, I don't know. I need to uh, let me look. This was a while back. It's not (laughs) important. The main thing was I couldn't believe an Alabama player admitted that. This was probably five years ago. It's either Alabama freshman line. Here we go. Alabama freshman linebacker uh, Rashawn Evans revealed to an ESPN reporter that the best part of being in New Orleans Bowl week is quote living it up on Bourbon Street. Shout out Rashawn. So maybe maybe the key to being successful from Auburn. And the Auburn area in in Louisiana is you have to just go to Alabama. <laughs> like you have to, you have to, you, the only way you can get around it is play for Nick Saban. Um, so I don't think that's a path that a lot of people around here are going to want to take. Uh, but yeah, quote living it up on Bourbon Street. Um, I was as a freshman I, I remember seeing that and being like, Nick Saban's going to murder you. Hey, hi, baby. Uh, you know that's a it's a really that rocks uh, so keep much. yeah. Making everyone proud. But, yeah, this Auburn-LSU game, um, I mean, LSU, here's here's what happened in this game. And I wrote about it in the observations on on Saturday night for the subscribers. Like, there's two different ways. These teams have two different styles of offense. Will Wade's a really good offensive coach. What Will Wade does is he's got, especially now, a team full of dudes that can just get buckets. Like I said, Cam Thomas has not met a shot that he does not like. He is a former five-star combo guard shooting guard like he is really good at a pull-up jumper i mean he's just a really really good player you know javante smart can hit any shot on the floor that you want him to from deep like he he has incredibly good range and um you know they're on top of that uh he's i think he is the highest uh you know the the best three-point shooter in the in the sec right now in terms of uh percentage um uh, darius days who's a forward, uh, hit four threes in this game. Just pull up, knock it down. I mean, he had one over JT Thor from the logo. And this is like, all right, well. So, like, LSU's got guys that do a really good job of hitting contested shots. I believe they're eighth or ninth in the country right now in offensive efficiency. Um, But they do it in a style that is very, very not like Auburn's. Because what Auburn wants to do is they want to pass the ball. They want to – they want – they want to have alley-oops. They want kick-out threes. They want to get to the free-throw line that way. They want they want to pop it around. And every – I mean, we've seen it. It's the strength and numbers style of offense that we've seen from Auburn from the Final Four team, the team before that, last year's team. And we've even seen it at times this, this year's team. Everybody picks each other up because of that, that ball movement, that kind of style that they want to play. LSU is one of the – uh, is one of the teams in, in in the country that has the lowest rate of assist. They create off the dribble. Guys work in isolation. Uh, it's very much closer to kind of a a more. Uh, it's more of what people would think about when they think of like an NBA style of offense. Now, a lot of NBA teams, especially nowadays, are really really big on assist. But like that team is really good at getting their own shots. And they were up against an Auburn defense yesterday that has struggled this season, especially recently. And they were hitting tough shots. I mean, Painter, correct me if I'm wrong. I was watching that first half, and we'll get to what Bruce Pearl said about it uh, uh, later. Um, but I was watching that first half, and I didn't necessarily think that when LSU went on that run, oh, well, you know, Auburn's just given up on defense. It was more of like, oh, LSU's just really good on offense. They're hitting contested shots, and Auburn's, Auburn just can't hang. They just can't hang on the, on the defensive end with them right now. Yeah, my thought was, wow, for a team like Auburn that is pretty good offensively, they're not going to be able to keep up. 
No. I mean, this uh, this this team, they they came into this game knowing that LSU's had their own defensive inefficiencies. Um, Bruce Pearl talked about it. This is a switch-heavy man defense. They switch everything. Part of the thing is when you switch everything on defense, natural mismatches start to occur. You get big men on guards, you get and, and vice versa. Uh, you can get some post-op opportunities that way. LSU's got a really good three-point defense. Part of the reason why LSU's got a really good three-point defense, and they're kind of like Auburn in the, in the fact that when teams have scored a lot on them this season, they've mostly gone to the inside and got their work done on the inside. So what Auburn tried to do yesterday was get to the basket, get you know, get some dump-off opportunities down low. And as Bruce Pearl said, nobody could catch it, nobody could finish it. It was just like they were not executing like they should on the offensive end against a team where you had to play your best offensive ball. This is a team in LSU that it ranks right up there with Gonzaga and Baylor in terms of offensive efficiency. And I would argue, I would argue that LSU has more NBA-ready scorers on their team. I mean, Baylor is a very traditional-looking college basketball team just turned up to a million. Gonzaga's got some dudes that are going to be playing in the NBA very soon. But I think LSU through Will Wade's recruiting, hint, hint, wink, wink, whatever. <laughs> They've got more guys that are, that are going to be that they're going to be at that level very soon. And it was just it was very obvious that, you know, LSU had a team with several guys that could get their own basket. I mean, four of their five starters were, were scored at least 16 points yesterday. Auburn just had one and then kind of sometimes an Allen Flanagan. It was rough. I think you pointed out too. I mean, Sharif got his points right, but I, I don't think his assist-to-turnover ratio was what we've come to expect out of him. And you mentioned this also, like, the team is at its best when Sharif is helping other people be better. And I don't know, for whatever reason, that couldn't happen. It didn't happen in this game. And you can chalk that up to any number of things, but Auburn got outclassed in this one. And I mean, we, it, don't have to, we don't have to poop on these kids. Like, Bruce Pearl was very straightforward in his comments after the game. I thought that was interesting as right. well. Right. Sharif Cooper, 26 points, 9 of 17. I think it's the first time this season he's shot over 50% of the game. He finally got at the free throw line a lot more. He was in a game where dudes were, were driving downhill and created their own shots. He was kind of really the only one who was doing that consistently for Auburn. And Auburn was trying to let him create for guys like Jalen Williams for guys. I mean, there are plenty of layups that were missed in this game. Um, you know, JT Thor didn't have a great night uh, shooting. Um, you know, Dylan Carwell didn't didn't have his normal offensive uh, game to him. Williams as well. Alan Flanagan missed a good bit of shots. Now he hit some shots from deep. He hit a good. He he missed a good bit of a uh, uh, two point attempts. And so the opportunities were there. It just wasn't happening. And so the more and more that the game went on, the more Cooper had the load on him to go after it and 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 create for himself and have to take on the scoring load. And scoring twenty six points is great for him, but he would much rather Auburn would much rather him score fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen points and then have eight or nine or ten assists. Like that's a better game for him. That's a better sign of of the team's overall offensive health. And they didn't have it. And so he turned the ball over a little bit more in this game because of it. Auburn didn't turn the ball over a ton. Now, LSU doesn't force a ton of turnovers, but Auburn didn't turn over the ball over a ton. They just couldn't hit shots. They were not executing, and that was on both ends of the floor. They just were not executing, and that brings us to what Bruce Pearl said. He comes into the postgame press conference, and it was just a – I mean, the word was disappointed. I'm disappointed in this. I'm disappointed in that. It's not that, like, oh, well, you can't – there was so much of this game where I think you can look at LSU and what they did and say chalk it up. It's like, oh, yeah, they're a really good offensive team. But when you score 104 points, you're playing bad defense as well on top of that. And you're not executing. You're not giving. And, and, and it was this thing of pride and competitiveness and effort. And Bruce Pearl said for the first time this season, he felt like at no point in that game did they really have what they needed to compete. We have seen this team fire back in the second we've seen them go through some laws where they have kind of switched off there have been plenty of times where that's happened this season usually at the start of the second half this game outside of the first few minutes when Auburn was playing well it looked like they were never really locked in so people thought oh they're kind of going through the motions you know whatever this team didn't look like a team that was ready to play 
And Bruce Pearl said after the game that that was shocking because he thought with the extra time to prepare for this game with the Mississippi State game getting postponed and just the way they had went through practice and getting the game plan together, he thought that they were going to be really locked in for this game, and it it just never happened. I thought he made a good point, too, that some of the guys on Auburn's team will be professionals one day, and it's like you're going to be playing oh, against yeah. some other guys who are also going to be professionals. This is a good test even if it means nothing for your overall season, right? Like the undertones right now, I think, of Auburn fans are, and some of these games are, well, you know, what are they playing for? And yeah. I can understand that. And, but at the same time, like mm-hmm. you've you got to find some ways to challenge and motivate yourself. And I'm not going to step in and play psychologist with this, but it is hard to feel like that performance, even if LSU simply was the superior team in this matchup, it is hard to feel like that's the same level of focus and intensity and whatever adjectives you want to use that we've seen most of the year from a young team that has been inconsistent. Yeah. And there are some, there are some natural things about this team that was going to make this LSU matchup hard. They are young on they are young period. They are young on the defensive end, especially defense is harder for younger players. They have not figured it all out on defense. It is not an excuse. It is an explanation for why they've struggled so much on the defensive end of the floor. However, they've also got just a natural size issue down low, and it's not height. They've got height. They've got length. But Jalen Williams, who has been playing really well this year, and even again, even though he didn't he didn't light up the the stat sheet yesterday, was one of Auburn's best performing players when he was on the floor on Saturday. Jalen Williams, as I wrote about him on Friday, is undersized at center. He's six foot eight. That's not a that's not a traditional center, right? And he was he didn't come to play center really. Um, he it, they're they're playing him at center because J T. Thor is even a less. Bean. Yeah, he's even less physically capable at the moment to play center in the SEC. I'll put it that way. I don't think that no one can watch JT Thor play basketball and say, "Well, he's not physically capable." He's like, "No, he he's got he's got things about him that are just scouts will kill for." Yeah, I mean, some of the things we've seen skinny. him do from time. To, yeah, yeah. I mean, Cardwell's really your only dick with two C's guy that that I can think of on this team that can go down low right. and. and- I mean, I don't know, man. It's just this the, the consistency of the team. You're right. The, like some of it is it's not height. We've talked about this. This is a team that I've dreamed of in terms of height since I was a kid. But yeah. there are other deficiencies, uh, and I, I think really that that bore itself out yesterday. They don't have that bulk. They don't have that experience down low. Mm-hmm. And, and and so as Pearl said, when you're not locked in in the post. And you are smaller and less experienced than these teams in the post. You are going to get pushed around. And he said Florida will do it, and Tennessee will do it next week. They are not physically tough enough down low yet. These are not my words; these are Bruce Pearl's words. So, you know, I have said, and again, like I wrote on Friday, I have said Jalen Williams is a great basketball player and has been, I think, the season-long MVP for Auburn this season on both ends of the floor. JT Thor is going to be playing in the NBA uh, sooner than later. But Dylan Carwell, Dylan Carwell has his moments where you're like, this guy is going to be really good in time. It's just he's young. He hasn't played a ton in recent years. Um, and it's just inconsistent. Stretch Agamboll is a great defense player. But, like, you've got to put it all together. And, and a team like LSU that has some experienced bigger men – not necessarily just a dominant post-up center, but dominant big man. They got pushed around. The rebounding advantage was huge in the first half. LSU had a ton of offensive rebounds. And that didn't translate into a ton of second-chance points, but it translated in a lot of just that feeling of they're relentless. They're going to keep coming after you. They're going to keep getting shots up. And that's why you fell behind so so early. I mean, they this Auburn team, as it is constructed right now, is not going to be built to play great defense. And it's not going to be necessarily a great defensive rebounding team at the moment, right? They do not have an Austin Wiley down there scooping up rebounds. They do not have a Deshaun Murray. They do not have a Chumo Kiki. They don't. They don't at the moment. There's a, There have been several times this year where guards have been the best rebounders on the team. The most consistent rebounder on the team, probably from game to game, is usually Alan Flanagan, who's a wing. Like So that that's one of those things that – 
a team like LSU is going to take full advantage of that when they get those opportunities. And we saw that we saw that on Saturday. They just I mean, this was a matchup nightmare. Painter, you were I think we were talking about you were a little bit more optimistic about this game than I think <laughs> a lot of people were and a lot of fans sh- should be, but it's just this was a bad matchup. This is a highly efficient offense that does not have to rely on defensive breakdowns to score at a high level against a defense that is prone to breaking down and they're playing at home and they're playing on familiar, you know, familiar rims, familiar sight lines in the arena and all that, that all that added up. Yeah. Yet again, I shall be wrong for uh, the, the prognostication game has been rough for me this year. And uh, I was really feeling my yeah. oats uh, when I was, you know, when Sharif came back and I was all hunky dory about the projected win totals. And yeah, that's, that's kind of gone out the window. Right. They're not going to yeah, go I mean, the it's, over. It's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. I don't think they're hitting the over. I'm sorry. They're not hitting the over. Um, it's, 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 a really, it's a really tough spot to be in for Auburn at this point because you talk about the edge and that pride and that, that spirit. Everybody on the outside looking in can be like, well, what is this team playing for right now? Right? Like, mm-hmm. they're not, you know, a team like LSU is fighting for postseason seeding. Kentucky is trying to get on a run right now they're going to probably have to win the SEC tournament to get in, but like Kentucky's trying to get it going. Ole Miss is a team that's been on the bubble. Um, Vanderbilt's out, which Auburn was a team that they beat like that. But here, upcoming, you have Florida, you have Tennessee, you have Alabama. Um, those are all teams that are going to be in the NCAA tournament, and they are fighting for better seating, and they're fighting for, um, you know, they're fighting to improve where they are. Auburn doesn't have that right now. They, the the ban is the ban. They don't have that. And even if they did didn't have it, it'd be very hard for them to get in the tournament at this point. I think. Yeah, um, I mean, they would have to be in the mindset. I think of what Kentucky is, which is like we got to get hot and win that tournament. So, you you add all that up together for Auburn. It's like, what are they playing for? What are they playing for? And it kind of looked like that, right? It looked like a team that was like, it kind of looked like a team that when you watch them play yesterday, you're like, all right, they just want this thing to be over with. Like, this has Which been can a you blame rough them? season Not on everybody. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. It's like they're at the end here. It's probably not gone the way they thought it would. And uh, they've just caught bad break after bad break between Sharif and the Powell injury. And, you know, some of the losses right. that they've had have been demoralizing, you know, giving up leads. and Very close. Yeah. So I, I get it. And uh, the, the thing I'm really hoping happens here is like try to win that last game, try to beat Alabama, you know, go one and one with this, with, with that team. Don't get swept kind of end your season on a high note. And then I'm just going to be living uh, vicariously through Alabama in a negative way. Like I want them to not win the sec tournament and I want them to not go as far as Auburn did a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament. Like I'm fully you know how Georgia lives rent free in my head in football right now. Alabama's got me in basketball. Like this is supposed to be Auburn's thing. Bruce Pearl brought the, the, the squad up, raised the level of the program. I'm so tired of hearing about how good this Alabama team is, which, you know, quite frankly, they are a really good team. And even yeah. if Alabama doesn't go to the final four this year, I'm already prepared to like see column pieces where it's like, this is the greatest team from the state of Alabama ever. And I just want Auburn to beat them so badly at the end of the year, but it's going to be hard to get a win against any of the teams remaining on their schedule. And as you've just pointed out, all of those teams have really good motivations because of what they're playing for. Whereas yeah. Auburn's got to figure out what theirs is. No, as a, but I'll say to this point, as we found out recently, and we'll talk about something that has, has something to do with this a little bit later, you don't need to wait or, or look at, actual you know reality to write a column anymore so let's fire that bad boy <laughs> off and feel like it um but yeah i mean this is this is a tough day a tough spot to be in and you could tell this is a young team that is just like all right let's just get on to the next season because i think there's just this feeling and again we don't know what sharif cooper is doing with his future but i think there's this feeling that everybody on that program knows that the future is still bright like the, the the vast majority, if not all of this team is going to be back next season, right? They are adding Jabari Smith, who is the best player they've ever had in terms of recruiting. 
They're adding Trey Alexander, who is an excellent guard. They're coming off of a year where they did not have their point guard for the first half. They have not had their sharpshooting, uh, you know, early season MVP in the second half of the season because of a brain injury that has kept him from doing schoolwork, right? Good news on Justin Powell, by the way, though. he's He's been able to get back in the weight room and get some shots up. That is excellent, excellent, excellent. news. Don't think we're going to see him this season again, That's fine. which That's fine. Wouldn't, be, you know. wouldn't be surprising, but... You know, I think I think the big thing for a lot of Auburn fans and, and I guess anybody in general, I mean, for the people covering this team, I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day who covers another program, and I was saying that this was probably one of the most, like, heartbreaking injuries I've ever seen because every detail you hear about it, you're just like, come on. Like, that is such a brutal blow when you, like, you have an injury playing a sport that you can't even, like, function like a normal human being, a normal college student. On top, it's not like twisting an ankle or even tearing an ACL. As you know, as, as awful as tearing an ACL might be, um, at least you, you can know, be around keep your teammates from... and interact and right. do some things yeah. that allow yeah. you to sort of be a part of that whatever word you want to use, family or or your you know with your teammates and your friends. And it seems like a lot of this semester has been totally derailed for him. I want to I want to bring it up. Um, because you know, I put it in the observations yesterday, but but Jay on Twitter at at, uh, at uh, I guess you would pronounce that all bone, <laughs> a u b a w n. Yeah, he does a he does a really good job, and those guys over there uh, at AU Hoops News and on Twitter and all that they do they do a really good job breaking down the game and cover and covering the team from from a lot of uh, cool angles. Uh, Jay Jay put this out on Twitter, and I put it in the observations because I thought it was it was very it was very good. Uh, it was a good message for a lot of Auburn fans to hear. Uh, so this is a team full of freshmen and sophomores that hasn't had its true f- starting five together all season in a year where almost all young teams are bad. Yeah, I mean, LSU is one of the few younger teams in college basketball that I think is pretty good, and LSU's unranked, and they've had their defense has given has made them lose some really bad games that they shouldn't have lost this year. Uh, back to the tweet. A full offseason with this staff and adding Jabari, Trey, and possibly others will do wonders for this team. The season and some of the reactions it's generating give off major 2016-2017 vibes. That team turned out all right, just take an offseason and some extra pieces for them to turn the corner. This team, recruiting class, and the coaches have even more talent and experience. And that's right. The team that right before the SEC title run was young and went through it and lost some games they shouldn't have lost and blew some leads that they shouldn't have blown and by the end of the year was, was scuffling. But they added some pieces, they got older, and they went on a run that a lot of people never saw coming. Well, now this time around, there's you have that you have going on. You're going off of that. You're, you've got a little bit more experience, uh, like Jay said, and also it's like there's a pedigree in place. This Auburn basketball program is still in a very fine spot now. Depending on what happens with Shreve Cooper or not, honestly, like you still have some things to figure out at your point guard spot for the future. There's no doubt about that. But you can't look at what Auburn basketball is doing right now. And if you want to jump off a cliff, go ahead. <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, you can do you can do what a lot of people did right before the Final Four run, right? And say, because Painter, we took the calls. We were we were in the position when they oh, got after that, that Ole Miss loss right that before year, the that fu- second Ole Miss loss. Bruce Pearl was not a good coach. It was. There were takes yes. about Bruce. You know, it, it was over for Bruce after this that team wasn't Ole making the tournament. The Final Four season. Yeah, this team wasn't making the tournament. This team wasn't any good. This team, you know, fraud, whatever you want to call it. And then those same people were losing their gourds when Auburn went on their run in the NCAA tournament. Because, again, like, that's what you can be. You can do that as a fan, I guess. You can just go in and go out, and nobody will ever check you on anything like that. But I'm saying, though, if you want to be a fan and you want to be a true supporter of this team, yeah. I mean, looking to the future, like I said, is not going to make any of these losses feel better. Like it still sucks. It still stings. How much do you think it still su- sucks and still stings for the guys who are playing and the guys who are coaching? Right, they're the ones who are putting in the effort and the hard work and and all that for through a pandemic, through all the weird stuff that's happened in the offseason, through all the ups and, and downs. And these guys know what the expectations are on and off are. the court. Right. They, yeah, put they saw in the team a few work. years ago try to try to go to the you know a national title, and like they know now that that is right. the expectation. Right. They put in all that work the coaching staff and the, and the players especially, to get to this point, how much do you feel like this, what's happening to them right now is is as tough as it is for you, who 
gets to just turn on the TV and watch them from your yeah, couch. Yeah, and this is a good rule you've Not, had. No shade. That's what I do as well. Yeah, no. <laughs> just like, saying. I, I, to, to, total transparency, I walked the dog during part of the game yesterday. Because it was like, oh, I'm not really enjoying yeah. this. And as a fan, I have the leisure to do that. Now, you might think maybe you shouldn't do that. And you might be right. But no one's forcing you to watch it. But these guys are kind of forced to play it. And so, yeah. like, I'm I'm cool with your frustration. And I'm, I'm there with your disappointment. Because I was one of the people, when the self-imposed ban happened, that thought, that's okay. Like, this team's still going to be good regardless. And we can measure that in a number of ways. But the record's not good, right? At the end of the day, the record is not what I expected, yeah. nor is it what I would think qualifies as good. This this season is a step back. This season is a reset. Now, this is the year to have a step back and have a reset because college basketball is insane this year. There is still a pandemic going on. Hopefully that'll be over in the next few months. Um, yeah, and to the, that the end, Ferg, I mean, ESPN's very, made a big fuss about its blue blood struggling this year. So, like, you're not alone, Auburn fans. There are other programs with even more pedigree and higher, more consistent expectations throughout their programs last few decades that are feeling something similar. Right. And you have an opportunity. You're going to bring in a, a, you know, a a number five player in the country, a potential one-and-done candidate. Recruiting is still looking up. There was, you know, people are starting to make clear and clear-cut predictions of the recruiting analyst about Scoot Henderson possibly Scoot, coming Scoot. to Auburn. Like, they're going to be fine, guys. Like, it doesn't look good right now. But you also don't need to have the tendency, um, and, I, and, I, and I would say this all the time in football, and I don't know if I still have a tweet anymore, but, like, there's a lot about being a sports fan and living in the heat of the moment, and I get it, and I, and I understand that, right? I'm, I'm that way as well with the teams I care about. But, like, the most recent thing that happened is not the only thing that has happened and is not the only thing that will happen. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because then you get, get takes like Auburn. Season. Then, then you get takes like Gus Malzahn's never had a good offense since 2013. Or then you get takes like Bruce Pearl's team has never played good defense. It's like, well, okay, no, well, that's not Now that we've gone there, all. we've got to talk about that. Cathartic for me. No, Absolutely I don't wanna, cathartic. I don't, as some as yeah. someone who is perpetually wrong, oh, that felt so good. It's like just I need you to read some numbers. They're on the internet. But, hey, we don't need numbers, just vibes, baby. Let's just fire this thing <laughs> off. Uh that's how I but, like to roll. I mean it's it, but it's the same way as like, you know, I saw people there are people talking about how, you know, um, if this, if 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 uh, if they need to get somebody else besides Sharif playing point guard, like Sharif's the only reason you even scored eighty yesterday for the most part. Like, I mean, Alan Flanagan had some had some good shots, and you got some production from some other guys at different points in the game. JC Thor got to the line, but it's like everybody just calm down a little bit. Like, I know it's tough to watch, but again, don't jump off a cliff. I think the thing with Auburn basketball is like they've got to get better on defense. If you listen to Bruce Pearl. He believes that that's going to come with some experience, but like this team also could benefit from older guys stepping up and being leaders and saying, "Hey, this is what we did. Like we know we can't do this again, and that experience is going to help out in the future." Because you don't want to have another game where you come in and you look like just kind of going through the the motions and you get get beat by twenty four. You give up one hundred and four points. That's no one wants to go through that again, right? But you have already. Given given it up at this point that this is kind of a quote unquote lost season. It's about development. It's about building towards the future. And if you can't see that there have been signs of development and progress, especially on the individual level, you're just scoreboard watching. You're just record book looking. Like that's all you're doing at that point. So if, it, if it's driving think, you that insane, just take a pause. Just take a pause. There's only come back there's only it. two weeks left. Like, like we're yeah. gonna be fine. Yeah. I also it, have been less engaged than I would like this season because it's not right. been the same thing I've come to expect. But in, in the back of my mind, I'm going next season. There's something there and with or without Sharif, but if God help me, right. if he comes back, I mean, he will forever mm-hmm. be a prince. And, uh, I mean, I, I feel the pain of the Auburn fans like that are just, you know, frustrated with this season. But I do think your overall point is a good one. You know, as, as tough as it's been to watch this team, sometimes, you can turn the television off. The players, they yeah. don't get that it does, option. It, 
it doesn't it doesn't make it doesn't make any of this feel better for a fan as a fan. I get it. Right. I mean, right. And, and you want to support the team. You want to still watch because it's a big part a big part of who of of, of who yes. you are as a fan. I get that, but like. There's also there's got to be a lot of perspective here, and then what happens yesterday is just like yeah, your team looked like a team that wasn't motivated to play because they don't have a ton of motivations other than just pride and kind of bringing it in. And like you want to if you want to dig in and say, you know, that's a big issue. Bruce Pearl thinks that's a big issue, but that's an issue that he's going to have to sort out with his team himself. You um, think practice going to be so, intense this week? I imagine that it's going to be uh, brother. Yeah, I so imagine he is going to lay into some some fellas. So they get Georgia. I mean, I'm sorry. They get Florida coming up. Florida just beat Georgia yesterday. Um, they get Florida coming up. This Florida team has had a weird year. Um, people don't like Michael White anymore, which is interesting. Um, it's you're finally playing at home. This has been their third straight road game, which because of the way that game was postponed. Who knows if things feel different yesterday? If you got a chance to beat Mississippi State, but yeah, look, yeah. you can't control. The weather you can't control, you know, just cause. I mean, you should have had a normal off season as well, but there's a pandemic going on. It does feel um, very in tune with most of the season with Sharif and Justin's absences yeah. and uh, just the general tenor of the season being so disappointing and almost like the universe is working against Auburn this year. And that basically, its most winnable game left in the schedule was postponed. And and not there's a good chance canceled, I guess. Well, it's postponed. There's a chance that it can be played. At the, so, so you have three games left on the schedule right now, that last one being a Tuesday night game against Alabama. The SEC left that Saturday slot open, that final weekend before the SEC tournament opened, just in case they had to push games back. Uh, and to this point, they haven't had to do, do that a lot. Um, but they built that into the schedule, and Bruce Pearl said earlier this week, or on Friday, I should say, um, that they believe that there is a chance – that that game could get pushed back to Saturday. So there's a chance that you go through this stretch of Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, but then you might have a chance to, no matter what happens against Alabama, end your season on a positive note with a win because that's a winnable game against State at home Mm -hmm. if you have a chance to get that. But again, nothing good is really happening for Auburn this year uh, at at a regular level, so I wouldn't be surprised if that didn't work out that way. Um, I was going to say – I was going to add something there about the way – yeah, I just think – being back at home might be, might be the might be the thing that this team needs. Having the fan base behind them a little bit. Those of you who can go, who will go, uh, and do it safely. You know, show your support. This team needs this team needs a lift. You know, I think everybody watching them yesterday knew that. You know, it was bad and it was it was hard to watch if you were an Auburn fan. Um, it was hard for them to go through probably, and yeah, they kind of sandbagged it from the way Bruce Pearl talked about it after the game for a good bit. You know, maybe being back at home and having those fans behind them might be the might be the lift that they need, or people can tell them how much they suck on Twitter. You know, I'm sure that'll work as well. I'm sure that's <laughs> the motivation they'll need um, to get through that. But um, yeah, I, I think I think you know at this point, this is kind of an unpredictable team. This is an unpredictable season in the SEC at large. I mean, Alabama struggled with Vanderbilt for most of yesterday's game. Um, who knows? Who knows? It will be a it'll be an interesting matchup to see moving forward. Uh, with Auburn basketball is because it's not an easy it's not an easy stretch. Tennessee, by the way, Tennessee got whooped by Kentucky um, in Knoxville. So you know, I, I don't think it's I don't think Auburn is necessarily destined to lose three straight here to end the season. I'll put it that way. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm curious to see how they come out because you know this is a team that I have come to rely on uh, at the end of the year and we'll see if that uh, emerges given that they're playing some of the better teams in the league. And I don't really know what to expect out of Tennessee game to game, but they're still a great team or at least a good team. I won't, I won't give them a great team. They've not probably been consistent enough to earn that title, but mm-hmm. Alabama has been dang. I mean, they're a few shots away from being undefeated in conference play. Yeah. Which thank yeah. God I they mean, are not because Lord knows but- the insurance agents would never let us hear that down. By the way, it's uh, I mean, this is zero. I think Nate Oates is a great coach. I love the way he, I love his scheme. I love the way he he coaches college basketball. That it's fun, on, right? shoot, play fast, shoot a ton of threes. I love it. Like I personally love that kind of style, um, just from an aesthetic standpoint. 
found it interesting though when he got his raise this weekend or i guess they announced it on thursday or friday he got his raise it wasn't that big of a raise i thought like I mean, I know Alabama doesn't want to go full on and just being like, we're going to be great forever because, you know, we're having this one good season. The Jeremy Pruitt route. Yeah. Or, I mean, I mean, I think they might have gotten lulled to that. They didn't have a season quite like this, but I think they kind of got lulled into that a little bit with Avery Johnson as well. Um, but, you know, his race, he's still, you know, making, I think he's making like six or $700,000 less a year than, than Bruce is. Um, I just thought Alabama would try to, like, you know, get – maybe closer to it's it's not far off and it is a raise and it's a big long extension in terms of in terms of the years but i, I just thought that was interesting um yeah. uh, there's no there's no real there's no real take there on that i just was like my first reaction and i think there was a reaction to a few of a few alabama fans when when he got it was like oh that's it that's it yeah i mean i could totally so. see them like raising it to one dollar more than what bruce makes and that would be that would have been an opportunity to do it though right yeah i'm with you because he but if you also want to say that Alabama's and like you know, I mean, they really they've had you, some moments under their previous two coaches, but the consistency uh, this season has been pretty impressive. And and hey, you know, last year they had some up and down moments too. But uh, you saw it like in that performance at home against Auburn, uh, they throttled yeah. Auburn, and and I think Oates' first matchup against Bruce. If you want to, uh, if you want to throw some throw some firepower to the fact that like oh yeah Alabama's not going to go all the way in on investing in basketball there you go Auburn fan I just handed you I just handed you some bullets um (laughs) anyway we will we will move on from that uh Auburn basketball uh we will have a podcast later this week um talking about whatever happens between Auburn and Florida and if you want to check that out you can subscribe at auburnobserver.com for those of you who haven't already six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year gets you uh, all of our stories that we write at the Observer uh, emailed straight into your inbox, like you do with some of you get uh, this podcast um, this way as well. You can also, um, you know, check out uh, what we do with the with the podcast with our with our uh, premium ones during the week. You get a fr- you know you get all these free ones on the weekends, but you get twice as many podcasts if you go ahead and subscribe. The one we did last week. Uh, because of the game getting postponed. It was a really fun one. We did a mailbag, a lot of football talk in that one, and some fun stuff as well. I thought it was one of our, our better podcasts that we've done in a while. And uh, subscribers got to hear that one. And so if you want to be a subscriber, you can do that at auburnobserver.com. Painter, for those subscriber or not who want to support what we're doing here, tell them how they can. Rate, review, subscribe. You guys have been tremendous with this. If you haven't and you're willing to take 20 to 30 seconds to throw us five stars, and anything you like about the show, maybe something you like about me, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever floats yes. your boat. That's been great. We appreciate it. It helps us with the subscriptions and the downloads if you subscribe. So please mash that subscribe button. Please rate, review, and subscribe, folks. That is tremendous. If you're not in a position or simply just don't want to give us money, that is another way to make sure this podcast. We understand. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot going on, a lot of reasons for that. So that rating and that reviewing and that subscribing is awesome. We appreciate you. And some of the comments, even though we joke about that, have like genuinely been very kind and fun to read. So to those of you who've done that, thank you. And to those of you who have some time to scroll down and rate, review, and subscribe, we would greatly appreciate it. Yes. As we have said, as I've said before, when we give a review on Apple of the podcast, if that's the way you do it, all right, you have to say things nice about Painter. I don't want to hear anything nice about me. It's got to be about Painter, right? <laughs> so we have a few of these we have to read because we've been having fun reading these on, on, on the air. Um, and your review, too, could be on the air if you say enough nice, nice things about Painter. Uh, this one is from uh, Rob. Rob says, uh, it's almost as good as Painter, capital T, uh, Painter's Easy Mac. Uh, Painter, are you an Easy Mac connoisseur? Yes, brother um, Rob is actually uh, a... a fraternity brother of mine and there is mm-hmm. a long-standing knowledge that i am uh, in the mac and cheese business he knows that that is the highest compliment that i can take i do love high quality mac and cheese so we appreciate you rob thank you very much uh this is from jay blackberry 75 he says um i pay more than i have to for the observer because ferg is worth it now remember i, I appreciate that jay blackberry but remember you're not <laughs> supposed to be this is about to be painter he and Painter are a great podcast pair. 
Uh, they never rumor monger and present everything with a balance of fairness and an Auburn lens that makes for a very enjoyable listen. Uh, and then he says some other stuff that I'm not going to say on the air because We're I don't want to get in fights. With, I don't want to get in fights with anyone. Uh, but we appreciate we appreciate that review and the kind words there. And then this one, this one is probably the most creative <laughs> one we've gotten so far. This is from this is from Michael E. Jones. Michael says, "I have to. I think I have to to read it in the in the poem cadence, right?" You would he wrote be a poem. inappropriate not to, given the amount of thought and time that was put into it, Ferg. Here we go. These guys used to be the lunch bunch, and then the station was hit with a cash crunch. They talked wrestling to grub, hot takes, and Heisman snubs. From irking John Clayton to Snapple Rabbit's Maiden. Uh, I'm glad that he brought up the two biggest moments from a our deep previous cut show. with the rabbits. Those are the two best moments, I think, in our show's history. Uh, then the pandemic struck, thus ending their luck, but launched a new direction. Now, $6 is a good <laughs> price to buy. Stories and podcasts from Painter and the other guy. That's the best line. You're supposed to t- mention Painter only so thank you uh so with the lunch break now over please tip your server since they've teamed again and are the observer what a what a what a absolute i mean that's art right there that's art round of applause round of applause that's that's how you that's how you pull it off that's how you pull it off right there so we really appreciate all the kind words we appreciate uh the reviews and those of you who throw in five stars and all that good stuff and those of you who subscribe as well like we said if you want to hear the premium midweek podcast uh, that's how you get it. Six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. They'll get emails straight in your inbox. We'll give you a nice little uh, special link that you can throw into your podcast app, and you can get all the free and premium episodes at the same time. Twice as nice for the inner circle, baby. All right. So the that circle, first half felt kind of meh. You want to talk some positive news? Yeah, I think we've got some, which is refreshing. All right. So real quick before we get into the meat of it, I do want to shout out a, a few things. Um, number one, um, again. I'm not covering Auburn baseball or Auburn softball or these other, but just a just men's basketball and football is was what we what we focus on here. But did want to shout out a few of the things we saw over the weekend. Some positive news from Auburn fans. If you want to see uh, Auburn gymnastics beating Georgia, that is always a huge deal. Uh, to score more than Georgia in a gymnastics meet is a really big deal. Uh, Darion Joburn is an absolute just machine. If you if you haven't watched her routines this year. Um, Auburn softball, I, they are playing right now as we record, but they did knock off uh, a ranked South Carolina team on Saturday. They are still undefeated as we record this right now. Um, really good start to the season for Mickey Dean and his team. Auburn baseball already off to a 2-0 and start uh, as well. Um, Painter, I, I wanted to bring this up um, because I, 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 had a, I had my eye on the, uh, on the Auburn baseball game uh, the other, the other day, the Friday, the opener, um, cause my, I was, I was at my parents' house and my brother was watching it. Um, my brother believes, and I don't know how much, how much you, you've seen this. My brother believes that you kind of look a little bit like Judd Ward. <laughs> I didn't realize that actually. I'll have to, I'll have to look at that. I, I had, I have no I idea. I see a little bit of a resemblance. I see a little bit of resemblance in the face. And I just want to say like, you ended up being soccer painter. But I could definitely see you being baseball painter. Like there is, there is an alternate universe where there is a baseball painter, like for like baseball player painter, and I think it fits your aesthetic. It, it really does. Yeah, if Tracy hadn't hit me in the knee in the sixth grade, I might have kept playing. But once that happened, I was like, "This hurts," and I'm not particularly into this, so I stopped playing. I was still- oh, you know, Judd's kind of got the squinty eye smile, which I also yes, have. yes, I think that's I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. Um, but really good start for Auburn baseball uh, as well this year. They they've been hitting the ball hit the ball on Friday really well. Uh, had some good pitching on Saturday and uh, you know like we said not going to cover baseball full time. Support those guys who do it. Um, you know Jason Caldwell, uh, Brian Matthews, and Josh Vitale respectively. Uh, go go and seek out those guys' coverage. Softball gymnastics as well. You can get that uh, at the OA News with Justin Lee and. Uh, Philip Marshall, uh, you know, covering it at, at two four seven as well. Um, but wanted to shout that out because you know Auburn fans need some good news uh, after that basketball game yesterday. Here's another piece of good news: uh, Auburn football got their biggest recruit of the 2021 class finally coming through on Saturday. Long awaited, long rumored, uh, Dylan Brooks is going to be an Auburn football tiger. Uh, what is with these losers at other programs 
making fun of schools like Tennessee or Auburn. Like, I guess the thing I'm seeing most is, oh, the McDonald's money at Tennessee. Oh, the Yellowwood money. It's like, what are you talking about? All of these schools have middle-aged men with bags. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about in terms of paying the players. We know it's happening. There was such a weird conversation about, like, the money between Tennessee and Auburn as if the other programs don't have rich white guys, like, floating these athletes. Like, it's just such a strange thing to care about in 2021. I think one of the best tricks Alabama and Georgia have pulled is that they don't have, like, a meme that you can point to for them anymore. Like there's not a, there's not a McDonald's. There's not a Yellowwood. There's not, you know, for those two programs, they're all right. Yeah. I will, I will, I will give Alabama this. They operate very well in the shadows, you know, and whatever dirty laundry they've got, they seem to keep it behind closed doors. So respect to that. Um, and also when you're that good, you don't have to cheat that hard. I mean, you just don't, (laughs) that's, I think that's something they talked about on split zone the other day where it was just like, you know, it recruit they recruit themselves at this point. Yeah, Saban's we, pitch was just this. electric a few weeks ago when it yeah. got leaked. It was like, yeah, that's all the things I would say yeah. if I were him. Right. Uh, Dylan Brooks, though, back to the point. Dylan Brooks has uh, picked Auburn. He's committed now. That was an interesting weekend uh, development. Dylan Brooks tried to get out of his uh, out of his letter as soon as everything went down with Jeremy Pruitt and other coaches being fired. Um, Tennessee would not release him, would not release him. There was a report from, I don't remember where, on Friday morning that was like, oh, Dylan Brooks just got released from his letter of intent, but he can't go to an SEC school or you have to sit out. And then like an hour later, people are like, no, he's gotten his full non-conditional release. I believe Brandon Marcello was the first on that one, uh, our, our, our old friend, now a national writer at 247. Um Either way, I don't know. Like, if I don't know if they if if Dylan Brooks ever got a full release or if it was partial at the beginning or whatever. I just know that um, he's coming to Auburn now. He gone, and this is a big time pickup for the Tigers. He is the number seventy six player in the country. He is the number six weak side defensive end. He could also play outside linebacker. Found it interesting that when Keith Niebuhr of two four seven Sports. Uh, wrote the story about his commitment. He had mentioned that both Burt Watts and um, and Nick Eason, so the outside linebackers coach and the defensive line coach at Auburn now, uh, both talked to him through the process. Very interested to see where he goes. Uh, listed at 6'5", 250. When he signs, um, he will be Auburn's top signee in this 2021 class. He alone brought Auburn up from number 27 in the national rankings to number 20. There's two things about that. One, shows how good this dude is. Number two, it shows that Auburn had a small class, and that ranking was very heavily affected by that. Um, You will take it, though, because this is a guy at a position of need um, that I think is he he looks like an SEC caliber player. You know, he might not be a dude that is a star from day one, but – He's got a lot. Uh, he's got a lot to like about him. His two four seven evaluation compares him to Bradley Chubb of the Denver Broncos, um, just kind of that style. Um, and we know Auburn has needed, you know, a go to pass rusher, edge rusher, you know, something like that in the past, and, and they haven't had one in the last few years. Quite like him, and, and Brooks, I think, exemplifies that type of player. Fantastic news for Auburn. I know a lot of fans have been discouraged about recruiting i don't think it would have mattered either way whether malzahn state or not this is just not going to be the class that auburn fans have come to expect hovering somewhere around the top 10 this is a nice exclamation point to put on top of uh the class and maybe they're not done i don't know in terms of transfers but uh i don't know what else to say other than good news and glad that he got out of tennessee because that's what he wanted and these kids deserve to have some agency about where they play football Especially if coaching can change on a dime, right? Especially if, especially if Tennessee can fire a guy and his coaches, you know, and throw him under the bus to <laughs> to get rid of him Amazing. and try to get it without having to pay it, pay him all the time. Yeah, and so Auburn was always number two for Brooks when he ended up going to Tennessee. I thought, you know, in the system that Auburn was running, Brooks was a better fit at Tennessee than he was at Auburn. But now with the new system at Auburn, I think he fits 
what Auburn's going. They're going to find a spot for a guy like him to play. Um, I watched him play. I, I've said it. I've said it. I think maybe a, a time or two before. I, I watched him play at Hanley this year. They came down and played Lynette. He looked like the real deal. Like he is. Uh, he's a guy that 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 runs hard and hits hard at at uh, at a defensive end, edge rusher, whatever you want to call it. Um, he he played some. He played. He's he's very athletic. He played some. He played some wide receiver. Uh, for that team as well at Hanley, and that was fun to see him kind of go over the middle of the field and like, oh, that's an SEC defensive end just running, running a you know, <laughs> running a slant. Um, I think he's got a really good, he's got really good burst. Um, you know, he can kind of beat you in a number of ways on the edge. Uh, there's always the thing that you want to kind of look at when he's coming up. You know, he's got a ton of accolades to him, but he did play at Hanley. It's not the highest level of competition in the world. I think that Lynette team that they played, uh, which, I mean, I'll always talk about how good that Lynette team is. Um, you know, that's the kind of level. You're not playing 7-8 football. You're not playing, you know, you're not playing these big-name recruits week in and week out. So you can look a lot better on film because of that, but how is that going to translate in the SEC? We've seen some small school guys light it up when they make the jump. I think Mon Adams is one of the best examples of that. Uh, but that's something also to keep in mind. But he's a, it's a guy that you need. You need an edge rusher. You need um, dudes who can get after the quarterback. And he is one of the most talented guys in the country for that. And he's closest to home, which is a good thing. And it seems, Painter, this seems like a thing that Auburn is really leaning on um, here early in the Brian Harson te- tenure. We already knew they had uh, the commitment. We already had the commitment uh, from. Uh, the Opelika player, um, and I'm blanking on his name right now. I am very sorry. Uh, let me pull it up. Uh, they already had Jarrell Stinson, uh, the cornerback from Opelika, already committed. Um, but yeah, I think it's 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 really interesting. We we talked about the Auburn High player, um, you know, getting uh, you know, getting the preferred walk on spot. They made an offer recently to another Auburn High player, which we love. Uh, yeah, Painter, I know you're I know you're big on that. Um, living through them doing something I could never do. <laughs> uh, you know, there's also, yeah, there, there, yeah Powell Gordon is, uh, yeah, that's, who, who that's I'm exciting. To. I think by far his biggest offer, right? He'd had a lot of other offers, but I want to say yeah. that was his first sec offer. And then did some other schools jump on him as well after Auburn did? I believe so. so there you go. Uh, I believe so. Um, but this local area, um, they're recruiting, they're recruiting this, this local area hard, uh, you know, a guy from the Malzahn staff that uh, had been recruited, I think he'll continue to be recruited in his new staff pretty hard, and people say he, Auburn might be the favorite for him. Oh. Is a Caden Story at Lynette. Uh, Pop, he's a another he's another kind of edge rusher type like Dylan Brooks. Um, so that's another that's another big name guy. It would also be kind of fun if you're Auburn to get him, considering his brother, who was really good, ended up going to Alabama. That's, a, that's just some natural stories you can build into that. Right. But they're recruiting this local area. They're pretty hard, and it's some of these more of these, you know, lower-rated guys. And I, there was this—I I saw some people say the other day they were like, "Well, they're you know they're recruiting local guys finally." And it's like, let's not act like they didn't try to get Reuben Foster and Rashawn Evans and and Mahmoud Diabate and uh, you know the any kid from Central over the last few years a wide receiver. Like they tried, and this area's got really good uh, local talent. Um, they might be succeeding more with some of these lower-rated guys that they feel like they can develop and, and turn into some uh, turn into some really good players and kind of building these relationships locally. I, I think it's huge. But let's also act like let's not act like Auburn just didn't recruit the local area when they were when under the mouth of the They tried. Some of the storylines have involved local players not going right. to Auburn, but in order right. for that to have ever been a storyline, they had to in fact recruit those players. They would have liked to have had Jake Bentley. They would have liked to have had, yeah, like I said, like my mood. I'm still criticized yep. by my own friends for apparently not locking down Ruben and Rashawn. I don't know what I could have done in that situation. I wonder what is, you could have done. It is a criticism that I get every year. I am blamed for mm. this simply because of dear old Auburn High. Mm. It's tough. It is tough. That's why. That's why. You, so good. Yeah. That's why. You, that's why you're like me, and you go to a high school that doesn't produce, you know, <laughs> SEC talent. <laughs> Right, so, um, but hey, yeah, the alma mater, the alma mater, 
the alma mater. By the way, the alma mater dropping a playoff game in basketball it was a tough one. Tough one to tough one to witness. Uh, they have some dudes though this year. Uh, yeah, no, it is positive news for Auburn to get, and I think that local and and you know Roanoke's not super super local, but I mean it's not that far away. Um, you know you can get there you can get there fairly easily. Uh, but yeah, I, I, Dylan Brooks, I'm I'm of the opinion that Dylan Brooks is a guy that you needed just because. He's going to fit this system. It sounds like that outside linebacker, if they want to do more of a 3-4 stuff, he fits in that way as well because he's not he's not built like, you know, he's not built size-wise like a he's not a Marlon Davidson, right? He's not that kind of, you know, defensive end. Um, but more of the more of the Jeff Holland school of of of, of edge rusher coming up and, you know, if he could be I'm not comparing him to Jeff Holland stylistically, but like if he could be that kind of speedier edge rusher coming off the ball. Auburn, Auburn's been missing that. Auburn's been missing that. They were able to kind of overcome the fact they didn't have a go-to sack guy for the last few years because, I don't know, man, Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson are pretty good power guys. Um, and, and, yes, Derek Brown can rush the passer. I don't know why anyone ever thought that he could. What an amazing um, take. What an absolutely stunning take. And and I love that they had to they had like pro football focus and I use their stuff all the time so like they've got I good information it just it was yeah, a weird I know take. a couple I know a couple of people who write there shout out to Seth Galena um yeah like but like they had to like put out the stat it's like that Derek had more uh had more um pressures quarterback pressures as a rookie than um <laughs> than Chase Young did and it's like all right hmm. okay guys all right. And my and mind you, Chase Young was playing on a defensive line that already had like Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat and, and, and those guys. One like of the best D lines in the in NFL football this year. Anyway, more to the point, Auburn's got to continue to to you know boost up their defensive line, boost up their edge rushing, I should say, get to the quarterback. And Brooks is that that is that is his game, and that and that is going to be fun to see if they can add on to that, but. Again, Auburn's number twenty now in recruiting rankings. Again, that's why that that low ranking that they had, we had wrote, written about it in a mailbag. It was because of the low class numbers. They add some more guys. Probably at this point, they'll all be transfers. But you add some more guys. If you can get some more guys moving forward, you're going to get closer to a top fifteen ish class, right? And that's about where you need to be. Now the challenge moving forward is in 2022 and beyond can you get back up like you said last week painter like to the top 10 classes and the like um but if auburn finishes with a top 20 class this year and some of these three-star guys that they signed um you know if, if they outperform their ranking if they can find some starters if they can find some diamonds in the rough can you find a roger mccree can you find a daniel thomas can you find a you, can you find a Booby Whitlow? Can you find a um, you know guys like that from this group? I think you're going to be fine long term. You're not going to you're not going to suffer too much of a drop drop off. Couldn't have said it better, my friend. Also, by the way, this is why we don't write hot takes and say these things on National Signing Day because since National Signing Day, Auburn has landed a running back and an outside linebacker. What do you know? Um, so, you know, it's it, this was a weird year. This it's not the story is not complete on signing day, and the transfer portal will be the transfer portal, and they'll probably still continue to push for guys there, including as we talked about on our midweek podcast, our premium podcast last week, um, Tyler Shuck, the quarterback from Oregon, who we finally learned how to pronounce his name correctly. Was it was it wasn't that an adventure fan? It was. I don't understand how it is pronounced that way, but I am perhaps literally the last person on earth who could critique anyone's name. So, I mean, <laughs> kudos to him for being, I guess, unique. And you know, I, I I will remind other people that you don't get to choose your name. So, yeah, whatever. Uh. Jason Caldwell also reporting uh, over the weekend that there is a transfer cornerback from West Virginia that is interested in Auburn. Um, so there, that's another one to keep an eye on huh. as Auburn continues to try to add some talent because they got some scholarship spots. They've got the space for it. So we will keep an eye on that moving forward. But, yeah, good news for Auburn. Dylan Brooks uh, is signed on. Uh, Monday on The Observer, if you're a subscriber, uh, I'm going to write a story on Dylan Brooks, kind of breaking him down a little bit more of what he brings to the table. So more of that in kind of the written word. 
some visual stuff as well on that. Uh, you can check that out uh, at auburnobserver.com, like we said, for $6 a month or $60 a year, and you will get the midweek podcast that will most likely go up on Wednesday this week. Painter, do we have anything else to add? I think that does it, my friend. I hope that we ended on a lighter, more positive note. Maybe. Maybe we can have a, a lighter, more positive basketball recap later in the week. We'll see. We'll see. I wouldn't rule anything out at this point. All right. That'll do it. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys supporting. Appreciate you guys subscribing, reviewing. Uh, all the kind words, all the nice messages, uh, emails and tweets and all that. We all appreciate them. Auburnobserver.com, check us out. Until next time, Painter, what do we tell them? We love you. We love them, don't we, folks? We love the warm weather, which I think is coming out. Please, please. I am so sick of this. 